0: Hi, I'm Mark Roderman, and this is Front Row. Coming up, data from President Biden's pollster finds immigration and crime are top concerns with the American public. In North Carolina, new businesses are being created at a record pace, and the California recall heats up next.
1: Major funding for Front Row was provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Ewan through the Ewan Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities and by, Funding for the Lightning Round is provided by NC Realtors, Helen Lockery, Mary Louise and John Burris, Reifenberg Construction, Stefan Gleason, and Jane and Van Hipp. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org slash front row.
0: Welcome back. Joining the conversation, Mitch Kokai with the John Locke Foundation, Jay Chaudhry, the Democratic Whip in the State Senate, Jonah Kaplan with ABC News 11, and Nelson Dollar, Senior Advisor at North Carolina Speaker of the House. Mitch, why don't we begin with the data from President uh, Biden's pollster? Yeah, we're talking
2: about John Della Volpe, who was a top 2020 Biden pollster, and his firm recently released a poll that had some interesting information showing that People are more concerned about crime and immigration, 83% uh, showing concerns about crime, than they are about race relations or about uh, climate change. And some are looking at this information and saying, hey, this is potentially a sign that there's a messaging issue for Democrats as they get ready. Or is it a policy issue? It could be a policy issue as well as they get ready for the 2022 midterms. There are a couple of other interesting polls that have also come out recently uh, that are on similar themes. One is the ABC News Ipsos poll that showed 55 percent of people have a negative view of the direction that the country is going in. That's up 20 points over the past couple of months. Yeah, they're much more pessimistic than they were just in May. And then a third poll is the Gallup poll looking at President Biden. And his approval rating has dropped from 56% 56 percent in June down to 50 percent 50 percent still nothing to sneeze at but it's the lowest rating he's had since he's been president and if you look at the, the breaking that down a little bit more 90 percent of Democrats still have a positive view of President Biden 12 percent of Republicans have a positive view of neither of those is probably a big surprise, but among the independents, it's only 48% who have a positive view. That's a bad sign.
0: Jay, how problematic are these numbers for the Democrats going into the midterm, particularly on immigration and crime? Well, I
3: think it's too early to tell, but what I would say is I think that the Biden White House is hyper aware of these polling numbers, particularly on immigration and crime, and they have not been great issues for Democrats, and they worked in the 2018 midterm for on immigration in twenty. 20- 20, we had defund the police and so I think the Biden administration is aware of that. I think also the Biden administration is countering a lot of what we're seeing on immigration and crime. Uh, the president this week said that immigration reform that also includes a lot of money to strengthening the border will be included in the potential budget reconciliation bill. And the president's also rolled out a fi- tough on crime or fighting crime uh, package that includes, in the American Rescue Package that included more money uh, to put officers on the street as well as community policing. Last thing I'll say, Mark, is that uh, while we talk about crime, I think it's important to point out with the uh, testimony from the U.S. Capitol Police this week, uh, you did have a member of the Republican Congress talk right. about the insurrection that's being compared to tourists. I think you will see Democrats push back yeah. against that, given the failure to hold them accountable.
0: Do we have a crisis at the border? Is it a COVID crisis? Is it a national security crisis? And do we have open borders?
4: Well, it is a All crisis. crisis. Mo- uh, monthly Eagle legal crossings have hit a 20 year high in June. Uh, Texas Governor Abbott has ordered detainees to be turned back for health reasons, and according to the DEA synthetic opioids like fentanyl are also coming across the uh, Mexican border in higher and higher quantities, and that Uh, actually drove drug overdoses to a record high in, in 2020. The crisis at the southern border is fueling more gang violence across the United States, like we saw in the murders outside of Washington's National Stadium. And there essentially is a nexus now between drug trafficking at the border, violent competition between the gangs all across the country, and a growing market for opioids Uh, in the United States as well. And that's what needs to be addressed. John, to put this in context, my friend, wrap it up in about 40 seconds, please. I'll do my
5: best. I would say President Biden's challenge is that at least in his first 100 days, he had to, basically be the anti-Trump. And for many Americans, he was boring and that's what they wanted. Now, though, he has to define himself as being more than just not President Trump. What does that mean in terms of policy? What does that mean in terms of defining the Democratic Party and what that's going to represent? How do you make up for the perception of a Democratic Party that's maybe going too progressive or is it going too moderate? So the president is going to have to basically come out with actual positions that are either going to resonate with the greater American public or it's not.
0: Okay, I want to move on. Businesses are flourishing, Jay, in North Carolina. New business starters are up.
3: Yeah, this is a great story. Uh, Earlier this week, Secretary of State Elaine Marshall talked about the fact that the pandemic didn't slow down the growth of business. If anything, it accelerated it. Uh, 96,000 businesses have been created this year already, which is an 80% increase compared to last year. And with those numbers, we're actually on pace to double the number of businesses that have been created compared to 2019. Secretary Marshall said that we're headed into a new era of entrepreneurship. A couple of interesting things to point out. Uh, Those growth in businesses aren't always necessarily coming from urban areas, they're actually coming from places like Scotland County and Edgecombe County. Uh, Edgecombe County seen a 200% increase in new businesses. The other thing that's interesting is uh, the the head of the Rocky Mount Chamber of Commerce, David Ferris, talked about the fact that most of his, a lot of his new membership is actually coming from women and people of color that are growing businesses, obviously demographics that have been hardest hit by the uh, pandemic. but. I love this story, Mark, because I think it reflects the American resiliency and determination, and it's a trend not only in North Carolina, but across the country.
4: Nelson, you have the floor. Well, it's no surprise. It's the result of a decade of consistent policy, lower taxes, less regulation, top universities and community colleges, transportation, lower energy costs, great quality of life. We also won, uh, here just a month or so ago, Site Selection Magazine's Prosperity Cup, beating out Georgia, Ohio, and uh, former number one Texas. Um, uh, The sectors that are really driving this are life sciences, technology, aerospace, um, financial sectors, they're breaking records. Biotech alone has created 770 companies and around 67,000 high-paying jobs in the state. And as those sectors grow, we're seeing more billions in investment like Apple, Fujifilm, there'll be some more announcements this coming week that will add to that. And those big businesses create supply chains for a host of smaller businesses and small business opportunities. And, of course, that's helped Forbes' uh, last three years. North Carolina's been the state for business. small
0: businesses and businesses in general are still having a hard time finding workers, aren't they?
5: Well, that's the other part of this because, yes, I think, Part of what we've had in terms of trends of the last decade may be part of this, but the other part is what I've heard is termed the great resignation. COVID, people at home, they've totally reevaluated and redefined their purpose and where they want to find fulfillment in work. And Why go work at a minimum wage job when I can stay home and open up a business online? You don't need to open up a factory. You don't need other real estate. You can run a business right out of the comfort of your home and your computer. So I think a lot of this, it's creating new businesses, yes, but it's not like it's adding on top of what we already have. It may be even taking away from some of the other businesses or some of the traditional work that we might think of in terms of hard labor, in terms of service industry.
0: Mitch, how could uh, new federal mandates, particularly on COVID, impact small businesses?
2: Well, certainly if those mandates are very restrictive and say that uh, people will have to wear masks or that they're going you know, to have to have some sort of vaccination requirements or any other really high regulatory burden, that's going to hurt. Tax policy. A tax policy. That's going to hit the small businesses the hardest. The large businesses usually can roll with the punches. They've got the legal teams. They've got the the wherewithal to be able to deal with new rules. Small businesses, young businesses, they're the ones that are going to have the hardest time. I think one of the, the key things that we've sort of mentioned uh, through all of this conversation is the power of creative destruction. COVID-19 led to a lot of destruction, but there is a lot of creativity, resilience within the economy.
0: Okay. I want to move on. Jonah, California is really heating up. Newsom may be in trouble. And for our viewers watching, or thinking,
5: what's up with California? Why does this matter to us? Well, look, we've seen the protests in Cuba about their form of government. We've seen Tunisia and their form of government some unrest. California is the fifth largest economy in the world. If this was its own country, and many people would say it is its own country, this would be (laughs) international news. I mean, you have 40 million people, now at least half of them coming together and saying, we may want to replace our chief executive. And look, California is emblematic of many of America's qualities, many of America's demographics, many of America's problems. And so Gavin Newsom, who is the Democratic governor, he has been there uh, for, he would only be the fourth, this is the fourth Um, recall election in America. Okay, the one, the the notable one before is Arnold Schwarzenegger defeating Gray Davis several years ago. The terminator. And he terminated Gray Davis's (laughs) employment. But why does this matter? Because, again, it's really the bellwether and it's really an indicator for where we could be going. Because if California, which is the bluest of blue states, is now going to be fed up with a Democratic governor and maybe starting to moderate, maybe trying to push back against some of the extreme measures in terms of restrictions. L.A. County now has a mask mandate again. Some of their high taxes, incredible regulation. I mean, regulations about trying to build solar panels so you can get an energy efficient house. Home
0: prices are through the roof it is, there too. It
5: is obscene where this golden age of California isn't so golden anymore. So yes, it might be just another state and a, you know, far away from here, but its impact and its symbolism for what could be the political ramifications in the rest of the country is very significant.
0: Jay, is this largely the way, uh, because of the way uh, the governor's handled the pandemic? management of the pandemic you think
3: not 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 entirely but i think that he's made some unforced errors i mean there was the there was a time that he showed up at the restaurant um unmasked with, un- un- with, with a group of individuals during the lockdown and right. um, most recently i think pulling his children from camp i mean i a couple of things i would say about the polling i think uh number one is the enthusiasm for republicans is really high the people that don't like uh, get newsome really really don't like him and uh, the, the surveys expect that Republicans could make up a third of the electorate, even though they only comprise a quarter. But there's 60
0: it. people in that, I think, right now. There,
3: there, I mean, there are there are 60 people, um, but uh, again, the, the latest two polls show the, the the polls tightening, even though he was up by 10 points of the previous two months. It, the other the other two things I will share is one is uh, California is going to require requires every voter to get an absentee ballot, so that'll be interesting to see whether that actually shields Newsom from actually losing the race, because that could be significant. Even though absentee ballots have been shown not to benefit Democrats or, or Republicans, and last thing is Newsom still sitting on about 44 million dollars, and so the question
0: well, he's yet is whether they're going to start gonna, That's right. Correct. That's right. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Mitch: How high are the stakes, and is Larry Elder the front runner on the Republican side? Well, certainly on the Republican
2: side. I think the the biggest thing that helps Gavin Newsom is the fact that there isn't one known alternative that people are rallying around. So when you're going to the polls on this recall, you're either going to say do I want the guy I might not like or someone else who I don't even know? And that's, that's going to help Gavin Newsom. In that last election that we talked about before with Arnold Schwarzenegger, people thought, okay, may, you know, the alternative is Arnold. For those who are, are not aligned behind Larry Elder, the conservative talk show host, uh, there needs to be some other alternative that would be put in place instead of Newsom or else people are just going to say, why should I get rid of the devil I know for the one I don't know?
0: Does uh, Newsom have a Democratic firewall? Is is this really a turnout election,
4: you think? It's a turnout election, it clearly is, and and he does have a firewall. But you know, the the, the fundamental problem there in California is not Newsom per se, it's two decades of bad policy, just the opposite of North Carolina. It's higher taxes, more regulation like Jonah was talking about, higher energy costs, a mountain of debt looking for the federal government to try to bail them out. So they blame their water issues on, for example, climate change in farmers instead of saying, okay, we need to build more dams. We need to uh, invest in desalinization plants on the coast as opposed to a high-speed rail project that goes to nowhere. So these bad policies are beginning to have an impact in California, and I think that Governor Newsom, is. this is the tip of the iceberg.
0: Great rep, I'm coming right back to you. Let's
4: talk about the ongoing crisis in Cuba. In Cuba, so since the fall of the Soviet Union, Cuba has had to really rely on tourism. Last year with the COVID crisis, their economy crashed. Uh, so Cubans basically have no money, no medicine, no food, no power, no internet, uh, no, internet no basics of uh, human life, and since the arrival of uh, social media three years ago, the Cubans have now gained the ability to communicate outside the government's control, and the arts community has been key in this. Uh, They've driven for a more open society, creating the song uh, Patrae, David, I hope I said that right. Anyway, fatherland and life as opposed to the old revolutionary um, slogan, fatherland or death. So th- there's a real drive in the country for change now, and they need to stay in the streets. The Biden administration has been very slow to get engaged. The president's now come out with a, a better statement, but the U.S. can and should do more. We should support those people. We should support their ability to communicate. We can turn on the Internet, right? we can turn on the internet we can use satellite technology we we're 90 miles away we there's a lot we can do and what we cannot afford to do is to have in cuba what we saw in tiananmen square okay has the media you think jonah downplayed this story
0: i haven't seen a lot about it
5: i think the problem is when we talk about political literacy there's also a historical literacy problem and look I, not to age anybody here and i apologize i'm not a child of the cold war but most american children most American teenagers, most don't millennials know don't, don't know about Bay of yeah, Pigs. Sure. They don't know. They, I mean, they, all they know about Cuba is maybe Guantanamo Bay and Havana and Cuban cigars. I mean, they really don't know anything about the Castro family. They don't know about the Cuban Missile Crisis. They they don't know. So how do we make it relevant? And that's always from a news perspective. How do we make a story relevant enough to, again, it's it's unfortunate, but we're still a business. How do we get viewers? Is this something they care about? Once, if they learn more about communism, the threat of Russia, if it was on our doorstep, why it matters, then maybe, yes, it would get more coverage. I just don't think Americans know enough well, to even those, ask a those question. Those people have
0: been repressed for years. You know, I met a guy one time at a conference. At, for, he was a post, uh, postman. He didn't sign a loyalty oath. And he for 30 years, he was in solitary for not signing an lo- uh, oath to Castro. Does the White House, do you think, Jay, have a messaging problem?
3: I think, uh, I think the White House has been slow to respond. I think you're right. I mean, part of the reason is I think the president's been confronting a lot of issues, but I think the protest has changed that. And I think what is interesting... The Cuban
0: community down in, in
3: Miami. Well, that, that too. I mean, there's an electoral component to it because right. uh, there's a Cuban community in Florida, but two, two things. One is the president's meeting with the Cuban Americans uh, this week in the White House. That I think signals the importance he recognizes with the electoral politics of it. Uh, secondly, I think it's really interesting that as vice president, he was really in charge of a policy that engage Cuba. Today, I think you're seeing this administration carry out a foreign policy that's similar to Trump in the sense that they're still continuing with sanctions, um, well, and it you, was, Would
0: you support them lifting the embargo?
3: The, the, the administration has not supported that. In fact, was the only country along with Israel to vote against the United Nations resolution asking for the embargo to be lifted. And if anything, the U.S. Treasury now yeah. has issued additional sanctions against key governmental officials Put in Put this Cuba. in
0: context, Mitch. Wrap it up in about 30 seconds.
3: Yeah, one thing that we need to keep in mind for those of us who are used to protests
2: happening all the time, this doesn't normally happen in Cuba. The last protest of this type was in 1994. So this is something that is very rare, especially hearing, as uh, Nelson alluded to, changing the revolutionary slogan around. People are really fed up with what they've seen from decades and decades of communism.
0: Okay, let's go to the most underreported story of the week, Mitch.
2: All right. It's the end of July, beginning of August of 2021. Everyone is ready for the 2022 elections, aren't they? Well, we've had one of the first signs that they are upon us and that is the first negative ad in the 2022 U.S. Senate race. This is uh, tied into the Olympics that we've all been uh, having fun watching, and that is Congressman Ted Budd, who is running for the Republican nomination. One of his chief rivals, of course, is former Governor Pat McCrory. Ted Budd has a new ad out that basically blames the McCrory administration for awarding $1.7 million in taxpayer incentives to a company owned by China. It's an Olympics-themed ad saying China won and you paid for their medal. Would that resonate? I don't know that it's gonna resonate, but of course Ted Budd right now, what the, the main thing he's trying to do is make sure that all of the big Republican support and money is heading his way rather than toward McCrory. He's trying
0: to get his name ID out there, okay. Underreported?
3: Uh, underreported story of the week is Axios, Charlotte had an article this week that talked about the looming eviction crisis, uh, housing crisis in Charlotte. Uh, July 31st, as we all know, is the end of the federal eviction moratorium. That means thousands of people are potentially going to be evicted. Charlotte, Mecklenburg County has 28,000 residents that are behind on their rent. That's actually the highest of any county in the country. There are 6,000 residents that have applied for federal relief. Uh, that would that, that have not received it uh, housing managers are arguing that there needs to be more done to provide relief to those uh, Residents, but the fact of the matter is that even though we don't know how many residents are ultimately going to be evicted Even a fraction of the 28,000 could mean that there's a real crisis of homelessness and and in uh, stress on communities in Mecklenburg
5: Thanks County.
0: for bringing that to our attention Jonah
5: so underreported, we've had of course these hospital systems across the state and now the Cooper administration requiring vaccinations or saying if you're not vaccinated you need to have, you know, robust testing, you need to be wearing a mask. The underreported part of this is the actual legal precedent. So back in 1905, the Supreme Court, Jacobson versus Massachusetts, there was a town in Massachusetts that wanted to Did you
0: cover invoke that? Uh,
5: <laughs> <laughs> I was on Twitter that day. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they they actually you know wanted to inoculate its population to prevent smallpox and the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Massachusetts saying listen, freedom is not absolute when it comes to the public good And also people worry about the military and freedom George Washington in the Revolutionary War he made his troops get... Uh, vaccinated because there was also a uh, endemic going around and taking out its troops. So, you know, this is uh, this is obviously something that is that is precedented, not unprecedented. Maybe it hasn't happened in a long time, but this is part of being part of a collective community. And I think that that needs to be uh,
0: talked about.
4: Okay, Nelson. Uh, The U.S. Capitol Police go nationwide with all the attention on Speaker Pelosi's uh, January 6th commission. The real story under the radar is the expansion of the power of the security state. The U.S. Capitol Police citing concerns about uh, safety for federal lawmakers nationwide are expanding to offices uh, and operations in the field in Los Angeles and Tampa, similar to how the Secret Service operates around the country to protect against threats for the president. What is of particular interest, and I'm sure to Jonah here, the U.S. Capitol Police as part of Congress, they are exempt from the Freedom of Information Act request. Uh, There has been chatter about increased transparency, but right now this really sounds more like material for a future Oliver Stone movie. Pelosi really is flexing her muscles. Tremendously, and she's a very good vote counter and she knows her knows what she wants. She's also threatening to arrest people who don't wear a mask on, on the floor. So
0: we'll see what happens there. Okay, let's go to the lightning round. Who's up and who's down this week, Mitch? I thought if you were on the floor, you could beat someone. That happened back (laughs) in the 19th century. My my what's
2: up is emergency drones. Our North Carolina Department of Transportation recently had a couple of tests taking some supplies to Ocracoke to test out whether drones could be used in the future successfully when we have really bad weather because you know you have hurricanes out there in a not infrequent basis. I found it interesting. The first uh, delivery had some... Uh, survival kit, some blankets, and a chocolate muffin. So, of course, they know they've got the the good things that they could send. My who's down? Nurses. Hospitals are struggling to fill vacancies. We know in the Triangle, Duke has been recruiting about 700 nurses, UNC Health about 800. Among the things that are being done to try to help fill this void, higher pay, but also loan forgiveness and even relocation
3: bonuses. Jay? i got great places to eat in (laughs) Ocracoke. Who's up? Orange County, so according to the new CDC guidelines, uh, where you live should guide whether you, as a vaccinated individual, should wear a mask inside or not. Uh, for the counties on the upper spectrum that are high and substantial uh, counties that are that are under threat, uh, the CDC recommends wearing a mask inside, and so those counties okay. include Wake, Lee County, Johnson County, Harnett County. The one county in the triangle that is at the moderate category is Orange County, and the new CDC guidelines recommend that vaccinated Quickly residents, don't have to. Res- and so the town of Spring Lake is down. Uh, the local government commission under treasurer Falwell passed a resolution to take financial control of that town if the town leaders don't cooperate. Uh, the commission's been working with the town for months to look at the budget deficit and poor record-keeping. Auditor Bethwood has said that they are investing and looking for missing money, so the, spring of t- the town of Spring Lake is down.
0: Jonah, who's up and who's down this week? Well, it appears
5: there could actually be some bipartisanship in Washington, the infrastructure. We still haven't really seen a bill, but there's a... Haven't
0: seen any text on uh, it. No,
5: but there's a, a framework. There's been a lot of uh, news releases senator tillis complimenting the biden administration and it seems to be something exciting that could actually happen what's down or what needs to be down is expectations for too long this idea that a vaccine would have totally stopped people from getting sick should have never been the expectation if it keeps you out of the hospital and keeps you alive deal mission accomplished
4: nelson who's up and who's down Russia even though they were banned from the Olympics uh, Russians are winning a record number of, of medals uh, exceeding expectations for their for their team that doesn't exist. Uh, they have secured the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline in Europe, five-year extension of START treaty, intimidating Ukraine, the U.S. election collusion. So on a roll. Uh, yeah, U.S. election <laughs> collusion apparently was forgiven, and apparently they can hack without consequences. Putin is living large, uh, who's down is the term student-athlete. Texas and Oklahoma bolting the Big 12 for the SEC. It's just one more example of how big-time college sports is all about 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 the money and only the money. The term student athlete should be banned.
0: Okay,
2: headline next week, Mitch. Latest debt limit deadline reminds us we're spending way too much.
3: Headline next week. Uh, Following new CDC and DHHS guidelines, Senate Democrats mask up again. Is
0: there data to support that?
3: Well, I think there, I, 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 think there is, as we talked about I mean, I think that the Delta of iron is much more contagious, and so there, certainly the reduced transmission masking is a... Jonah,
5: headline next week? Budget fun at the North Carolina General Assembly. So you think it comes out next week? I'll have to ask my source okay, over here. tell us, Nelson.
4: <laughs> House budget comes into focus. It will fully come out the following week. Well, this has
0: been a great conversation. I, I really appreciate it. This is about out. We're about out of time. That's it for us. Great job, gents. See you next week on Front Row. Have a great weekend.
1: Major funding for Front Row was provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities. And by... Funding for the lightning round is provided by N.C. Realtors, Helen Lockery, Mary Louise and John Burris, Reifenberg Construction, Stephen Gleason, and Jane and Van Hipp. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org frontrow front row.